We're in the Bible today in the book of Daniel. This is our last Sunday. We're talking a little bit about uh, the, uh, the righteousness that exalts a nation. We live in a very dark day. Now, we're in the best country in the whole world, in my opinion. I've been around the world a lot of places, and I'm very grateful when I come back here. I'm in the world just a few days, and I start craving an Egg McMuffin, you know, and just uh, and want to come back home. At the same time, uh, God so loved the uh, He loves the world. But he's given us an opportunity to live in a place where we have so many, we complain incessantly, but truth of the matter is we've got it good. Many people with lockdowns uh, try living in China, North Korea, Somalia, South Sudan. Try living in the Congo or Morocco. Try living in Venezuela, Cuba. We got it going on pretty good. We can complain and we say, you know, this is America and we deserve this and all that. The truth of the matter is, we're just experiencing a little microcosm of what many people have done throughout the centuries with the challenges that we're facing. And we're getting farther and farther away from God. And that's where your powerful testimony can matter. And uh, what you do during the dark, difficult times and how you behave yourself, and how I behave myself, and how my attitudes and my philosophies are developed really will determine the salvation of souls and the power of God. And it's important that we understand that. I uh, think about Daniel. The Bible gives us this book. It's just 12 chapters. It's not very big. It's uh, part of the what we call the major prophets, but it's a smaller of the major prophets. And and, uh, or it could be one of the larger of the minor prophets. But Daniel was a young man who grew up in a Hebrew home. He had a, gr- he had a great, great early existence. His mom and dad loved God. He loved them, and I'm sure they, they enjoyed great blessings. But God's people had become apathetic, and they were not responding to the preaching of men like Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, he would, a weeping prophet, would tell them, you've got to turn back to the Lord. If we don't turn back to the Lord, God's going to send captivity. Sin always brings captivity. Sin always brings complication. Sin always brings affliction. Whether you sin or someone else's sin, all of us, the Bible says when Adam sinned, death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. You see, occasionally a little, a little baby who's a, who we call kind of harshly, a crack baby. That baby never put a pipe into its mouth, never put a needle in its arm, but it's addicted to crack because its mama did that. Whether your sin complicates your life or it will complicate others' lives as well, we're all complicated by sin. But Daniel's a young man, uh, He experienced captivity. He was the first of three times that Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of the world, would come, and he took some of the the best of the best, and he was in that group. He was well-educated. He was probably a handsome young man. They took him, and they took him along with many other young people. Azariah, Mishael, uh, our two guys, and Hananiah, his three friends, will be noted as as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but they took a bunch of those guys like that. And they marched them 400 miles, and they castrated them and made them eunuchs. 
so that they would not marry, they would not have children, but they would be used, their skills, to strengthen Babylon and weaken Israel. They marched them away, and later on they would come back and get 10,000 more people. This time, some of the strong men, but also some of the carpenters and the iron workers and some of the, the Eshelite people of Israel, and they would take them back, and eventually they would come back and pillage Jerusalem completely and burn their gates with fire and knock down their walls and steal their, their, um, their they, they would de, 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 um, destroy the temple and they would take all the gold and the silver and, and uh, just really depleted them. But this is early in the stages and Daniel, his dream life went to another place, to Babylon, a place where there was foulness and a bad philosophy. The Bible says they took them and they wanted to take these guys and they wanted to use their strengths. They would teach them the tongue, the language of the Chaldeans, and the learning of the Chaldeans. They would teach them their philosophies, their background, and use their strength to make Babylon a better place. And Babylon, of course, in the Bible is a type of sin, type of the world, like Egypt is to some extent. And Daniel is somebody who is, uh, he's a small remnant in a very wicked place. In Isaiah chapter 1, verse 9, Brother Scott read the passage of Scripture, and it's a good verse to underline in your Bible, but it talks about if it were not for a small remnant of people, we would be like Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed. One of the encouraging things I find about being an American in this day and time is that I can find other Christians who have sincere hearts for the Lord. There is a remnant. We're not all we ought to be. We're certainly, I'm embarrassed as I prepare for this message and as I thought about myself even this morning, I said, Lord, please forgive me for not being a more committed servant of Christ. You've given me so much and I have failed oftentimes to use what you've given me for the glory of God and the good of others around me. And to whom much is given, much is required. But Daniel was in that group. He was a, a, a remnant in a very wicked, a righteous remnant in a very wicked society. You could not imagine this. Your dad and mom are over there and you're over here. You're young and yet uh, now you have a, a lot of things that are changed for you. And they would take at least a year and try to make sure they could speak the language of the Chaldeans and they would get them to school and they would show them the books of philosophies and they would show them the history of the Babylonian people and cause them to buy in. They would begin to change their diet and show them how they would eat and what they would drink and the alcoholic beverages and, and, and probably the pork and, and the, the different foods that they were, that were not kosher for them as Hebrew boys. But he brought them over there. And in the middle of that, though, we find that Daniel, and one of the things I love about Daniel is that he served under three different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and Darius. All through his life, he did the right thing, the right way, for the right reason, for a lifetime. Would to God that every one of us would decide, you know what, I am going to finish this life well. I cannot make a new beginning, but I can start today to make a new ending. I can please the Lord, and I can do what I need to do. All of us have things in our past that we regret or are discouraged by. But you can't steer straight, look in the rearview mirror all the time. And though Daniel did not have it all, he would not have children, he would not be married, 
He would be made a eunuch by his invaders and by his captives. He decided he would not take the difficulties that he had and sit around and complain about it, but he would continue to look to God. He would understand that God had a purpose for his life. And early on, he was met, and Ashpenaz was another chief of the eunuch, and his job was to get them assimilated, these new recruits, these new captives, and to get them educated and assimilated into the Babylonian culture. And he began to give them the books and the learning and the language. And he, he gave them food and the drink of the king. And it, for others, it flattered them. For Daniel, it offended him. And under great grace and humility and respectfulness, he said, Could you, would you be so kind as to give me another option? And he asked for that, and the Lord gave him favor. And of course, Daniel was known as a man of prayer. He was someone who learned to pray. And you know, praying people are far more um, uh, immune to sinful disease. People that are, are organizers and smart and intellect. But you'll find a praying person, someone who is serious about prayer, they usually have a lot cleaner life. They have a lot of, they have a lot of ability to overcome Temptation. And Jesus said, watch and pray that you enter not in two. You ever wonder why it's so hard to pray? Challenging to pray? Well, the stakes are high when we learn to pray. Daniel was a man of prayer. And I want to just talk to you this morning. The Bible tells us in James chapter 5 and verse 16 that it's the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man that availeth much. In, in uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 34, the Bible says that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. You want to find yourself embarrassed and reproach? Live in a sinful, rebellious, self-willed life. Just do what you want to do, and I'll do what I want to do, and we'll find embarrassment, shame, and regret every time. But righteousness is something that God wants us to seek. He wants us to know You'll find it numerous times in the book of Daniel. If you do a word study on righteous or righteousness, you'll see it pops up several times in the book of Daniel. The Bible tells us that thou alone art righteous, O God. He said that, that your righteousness is great, and may God help us to have that same thing. But I want to just talk to you this morning, just for a few minutes, about living attributes of a righteous remnant. We can complain about our government, we can complain about our media, we can complain about all these things going on, but really all of us need to draw a circle around ourselves and ask God to make the person in the circle righteous. Because righteousness will exalt a nation. Our sin, and we can, we can say, well, this person, this person, this place is like, this is terrible. The truth matters, we ought to look in the mirror and say, God, what do you want to do with me? Daniel lived for 70 years in Babylon. And God used him under three different kings, and he did some very good things as a small minority in a wicked place. And I want to see what, what he did. Now, of course, you, you might remember this. They, they came there, and of course, Daniel, his name was Daniel, and it means, uh, uh, the word Daniel, Daniel means God is the judge. And E-L on the end of a name has to do with God. God is the judge. They changed his name to Belteshazzar which means the treasurer for Bel. So he was kind of a, a god of God. He was like a treasurer. They must have thought he was a financier or something of that nature. 
They took each of the other boys, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, each of them have names that mean something about God, and they changed them to God names of Babylon, like the servant of Nebo, Abednego, and uh, the host of Shak, Shadrach. They gave them foreign and, and, uh, and uh, God names of their own people, and they called them by that. Most of us wouldn't even know their Hebrew names. We learned them by Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as children. But those are not their God-given names, but they changed their name. They changed their diet. They changed their appetite. They started to teach them the philosophies and the histories of Babylon. They wanted to teach them the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. So these guys are under tremendous amount of pressure. But there's several things they did that we can do in this day and time. Now, I don't care if you're a teenager, you're an adult, if you're a senior citizen, you're a single adult. Every one of us can do these things. Number one, I want you to notice they had a purpose in his heart. Daniel purposed in his heart. I think that sometimes the word purpose in our Bible means sober. Sober is the opposite of being drunk. Someone who is drunk or intoxicated, they're not sober. They, they don't act right. They're, not, they're all over the place. But sober is someone who has purpose. They walk with purpose. They think with purpose. They do what they do for, on purpose. I think one thing we need is a revival of purpose-driven Christians. People have a heart that's purpose to do the right thing. Years ago, I was pre preaching to you on a Sunday in, in Jan January. I gave four words I think all of us could need a revival of. Number one, a revival of purpose. Can you imagine this? Michael Latino, he's a, he's a Frenchman. And he, was, uh, he wanted to be known. And he wanted to be in the Guinness Book of World Records. So he found out he could get a machine and he could grind down metal and glass. And he could slowly eat it and digest it. And he successfully ate five chandeliers. A bicycle, a grocery cart, and eventually ate a small Cessna airplane. And if you find his name, you'll find him in the Guinness World Book of Record for eating metal and glass. What an idiot. He was a flower of his family, a blooming idiot. And most of us would say, that is ridiculous. That's what he purposed to do? But some of us, if you would evaluate our, our life, the 168 hours we used last week, what we have done with our time and effort and energy and money, it's about the same. It's not going to matter. What does it matter if you eat a Cessna airplane? What does it matter if you just live and don't do anything for God? Daniel was a man who was given to purpose. He purposed in his heart. We need a revival of purpose. We need a revival of responsibility. Everybody wants to play the blame game. Well, I would do this if I just had a better job. If I do this, if I just had, if I just had this. If, I, if my parents were divorced, if I didn't have so many hypocrites that were my leaders in the past, I would do this. No, we need a revival of responsibility. Accept responsibility for you and quit blaming everybody else around the world. Blaming your past and saying, this is, why, this is why I'm like this, or here's why that. Listen, you got to grow up, get a checkup from the neck up, and decide to be the best you can be with God's help, and quit blaming everybody. I think we need a revival of exhortation. 
People need to realize you're not on this planet just to self-serve yourself. See, if you're happy, if you have enough money, if you're going to make it through life, you're going to be comfortable. If you have enough, it's all about you. Instead, of it ought to be about others. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. I wonder how much we do for others. Some people at Thanksgiving time or Christmas, they might do a little bit for charity and they about break their arms, slapping themselves on the back. Really, we ought to live our whole life ministering to other people. But we had a purpose. He had a purpose here. He said, a purpose. Look at verse number eight, would you please? The Bible says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. And with the wine which he drank, therefore he requested the princes of the eunuch that he might uh, not defile himself. You know, the Bible tells us that, that Apostle Paul said that I might know him. He was purposed. Jesus, he set his face like a flint to do what God put him on the planet to do. He didn't come here to frame houses, hang doors, fix furniture. As a carpenter, he came here to give his life for a ransom for many and to train others to do the same thing. It would be a good day in our life when we realize, what does God want me on the planet to do? I was talking to a man today, and he told me, he said, Pastor, I'm really bothered because he goes, I, uh, I grew up here in Hammond and Highland. Sin kind of complicated my life, but I got saved. When I got saved, I got out of, uh, of, 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 of a bad situation eternally, but then I got into all kinds of problems, and, and I should have been dead many times. And I kind of wonder why God put me on the planet, why he's kept me here, why he kept me. From, uh, from, from the life that I, uh, I, I should have been, I should have already have had a funeral for myself. It's already should have been over. Why does God have me here? Well, God has you here for a reason. Sometimes I, I was talking to another man today, and, and he's an older gentleman in another state, and I was talking to him on the phone this morning. He said, you know, sometimes when you get old, you just kind of wonder why God hasn't taken you home yet. I told this particular gentleman, listen, don't lose your purpose. The Bible tells in the book of Titus, you challenge the old men to be sober. It means to live with a purpose. What you cannot do with energy, you should do with urgency. You may be able to do with a note or a card or a good word. Sometimes older men, they get cranky and aggravating and critical of everything that goes around them. We, some, this particular guy is extremely good at, at praising those around him and exhorting other people. But he said, I think what made Daniel extremely effective in a difficult world, a righteous remnant, is that he was purposed. He had a purpose heart to please the Lord. Not to appease him, but to please him. I'm so sick to death of people arguing about, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that? And how come you do that? And all this sort of stuff. And the truth of the matter is, they're just, they just want to appease God. There's no desire to please him. They, they just want to keep him off their back and make sure they don't, he doesn't mess with them and, and make their life uncomfortable rather than try to do what God wants them to do. I want to encourage you. In a dark day, we need a righteous remnant who will be purposed in their heart. Ask yourself, God, what do you want me to do with my day today? What do you want me to do with my life? You don't have to know what you're going to do six months from now, but you can be what you're supposed to be today. Some of you, you could give aggressively. You could serve faithfully. Some of you, you could be back tonight for Sunday night service. And you used to do that, but you don't do it anymore. It used to be a priority for you. 
But now it's not. Now you're in the, into another, you're, whatever we're doing, we're doing. Or some of you could be here on Wednesday night. Some of you could serve the Lord. You could get behind the wheel of a bus and drive a bus. You could, you could uh, teach a Sunday school class. You could help your Sunday school teacher build that class. You could visit people. You could help other people, but there's just no purpose. We've gotten kind of used to the dark. We find that a righteous remnant is someone who has a purpose heart. Number two, a righteous remnant is somebody who has an undefiled living. He was interested that he did not defile himself with what he had been hearing. Let's take our Bibles, if we can, please, and go to Colossians chapter 2. This is part one tonight. I'll finish uh, this thought. I want, to, I want to give it to you. Next week, if it's got something special, I'll share with you after the service today. Colossians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing here, and he says in verse number 6, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, would you read the rest of the verse with me? Hey, if you're saved, live like it. Walk like it. Act like it. Conduct yourself like you're a child of God. Verse number 7, the Bible says, here's how. We're rooted and built up in whom? Jesus. Established in the faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As ye have been taught, abounding therein with what? You know, generosity, thanksgiving, all that goes together. Have you, have you expressed gratitude today to God? We we're coming off a of Thanksgiving weekend, and boy, for a child of God, Thanksgiving Day ought to be every day. Part of our success mechanism in the Christian life is to walk with the Lord by rooting the ground up in, in Him, by, uh, by making sure that we're solid in the faith, we're, we're grounded in the Word of God, and that we abound with Thanksgiving. Look at verse number 8. Read it out loud with me, would you please? But here's a warning. Beware through philosophy, through vain deceit after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world. For in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Verse number 10, and ye are... The Bible tells us here that we need to be, if we're going to be a righteous remnant in a dark world, we need to have a heart that is purposed to please the Lord. Number two, we need to have undefiled living. Listen, if God's against it, we ought to be against it. And if you're going to make a difference, you've got to be different. This is one thing that I'm just very grateful. I, I know I'm not all I ought to be. I know you're not all you ought to be. But I tell you what, I'd like to try to live my life in such a way that I keep doing the right thing the right way. If things were right when you first got saved, they're right now. If things are wrong then, they're wrong now. Some of us need to get, we've just, we, just, we just got squirrely in our thinking. And quite, quite frankly, selfish. We do what we want to do. We've grown up, and it's like the, little, like, the, like the 20-year-old. They care what people think about them. When they get 40, they don't care what people think about them. When they're 60, they find out that no one was thinking about them at all. <laughs> but many of us are like that 40-year-old. We've kind of been there, done that, and now we don't care what anyone thinks about it. If I want to do this, if I want to go there, if I want to live like this... I'm going to do it. I don't care. I'll put myself out there on my social media. I'll tell people I'm coming out and I'm doing this and I'm not doing this and I don't care about that and all of those things. But you know, the Bible says, beware, lest any man spoil you, rob you of blessings and rewards. How? Through philosophy. 
a set of values that will monitor and dictate your behavior after the traditions of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ, who is the head of all things, and he, you and I are complete in him. Pastor, I don't know about you, friends, but I want, for as long as I get to live, I would like to do what God wants me to do in this world. I know I'm going to be a minority. This world is going. I was on an airplane last night full of about 200 people. And on that airplane was just, just thinking. I had a Muslim lady sitting beside me that I attempted to talk to, and she was not interested. And had some folks across the way and a lady in the back that kept cussing with her mom in the back. And I was thinking, man, so many people just don't have a clue. What do they need from me? I asked the Lord as I read through the book of Daniel last night on the plane. I thought to myself, what, they, what does this world need from me? I think they need me to have my heart purpose to please the Lord. And then I think I need to say, you know what? Keep clean, John. If you're going to run lean, you've got to run clean. And I want to run. I want to run the race. I don't want to fall in love with the things of this world. The Bible tells us to love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I can't say I love God and still fall deeply in love with this world. There's people, they'll attend church as long as the football game's not on. And it just tells us, there's just, there's just two choices on the shelf. You live for God or you live for self. You take your pick. Some of us fall in love with careers. We fall in love with the money. We fall in love with the pressure of whatever it is that's going on us. And oftentimes, even at Christmas time, we, we, we succumb to philosophies that are not biblical. We spend money to buy things for people we don't even like. And then we try to, we try to justify that. We just get guilt-ridden and things of that nature. And we, we spend more money on a Christmas sign. We'll give all year to the things of God and to missions. Get all goofy in our head. So, Pastor, I'm not wicked. I don't do this and I don't do that. But you know our thinking. That's why Apostle Paul said, be not conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I'm going to make a difference, and if we're going to be a righteous remnant in a dark world, we've got to be purposed in our heart to please the Lord. We've got to be undefiled. But may I say also, you're going to have to have some pressure situations. If you study the life and times of Daniel, you're going to find him in some very difficult times. In chapter 2, the king gets a dream. He wakes up in the morning, he can't remember the dream. But he calls his wise men and his astrologers and said, look, I had a dream, I can't remember it, but will you want to, I want you to tell me what the meaning of the dream is and what the dream is. And they said, that's not possible. He said, well, you either do it or I'm going I'm to cut you in pieces and make your house a dunghill. And at the end of the day, he was excited about making dunghills. I don't know why that is the case. But he says, look, you either do this. And, and he said, oh, you can't do it? He said, no one can do this. He said, okay, fine. I want all of you dead. Which would include all the young eunuchs in the eunuch house. So when Daniel heard about it, you can read it in chapter 2. He said, may I tell you what I need? I need some time. He said, go back and tell him. And by the way, success brought him access. You keep doing the right thing the right way, God's going to give you opportunities to do things for God and for glory of God and the salvation of souls if you'll keep doing it. One thing I don't like about living in a dark world is the pressure. Difficult situations. Remember, he got thrown into a lion's den. At that time, he's probably 90 years old. 
He's old now. One of the things I don't like is to see older men go through trials. I don't like seeing older pastors struggle in difficult things. Because it reminds me, I'm going to do that too if I keep breathing. I mean, I say the battle's never over. Pressure is still coming. And especially in a fallen, dark world, pressure situations. And most of us, we run from pressure. You know, when God says, if you'll be faithful in little, I'll give, you, I'll give you greater responsibilities. The thing is, we don't like pressure now, but we don't like even a responsibility now. Because we live in a fallen world and it gets more complicated. But you want to have blessings in the millennium. You want to have blessings in God's kingdom without the curse of sin. That'll be a piece of cake. That'll be a walk in the park. That'll be all the joys without the, all the hurt and the difficulties and the problems. But in a dark world, in a righteous remnant, let me just encourage you. Have a purpose to please the Lord. A purposed heart to please God. Keep yourself clean. By the way, you, you, you say, God, I want you to clean me. Now confess your faults and he will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. But over and over again, the Bible tells us, keep yourself clean. Keep thyself pure. Purify yourself even as he is pure. That's really your job. He provides the soap and the water. You provide the effort to keep yourself clean before the Lord. And then understand there's going to be some difficult times. It was Paul that said, endure hardness as a good soldier. It's not going to be a walk in the park. 